You are listening to the Daily Talks podcast where my mom, Deli, empowers parents like you with parenting tips. My mom's mission is to help parents make their child raising experience easier and more enjoyable by sharing valuable lessons to save them unnecessary struggles. The Daily Talks podcast is for any person already parenting or planning on parenting a child. Each week you'll hear different experts talk with my mom about important aspects of parenting, self-care, and of course her specialized area of bullying awareness and prevention. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, go ahead and do so now wherever you may be listening. And don't forget to set up your alerts so that you don't miss any episodes. Let's get started. Welcome to the Dali Talk Show. Thank you once again for joining me. I have another special guest today. I have Heidi De La Cruz, who is a mommy of four-month-old and eight-year-old, and she's a, a podcaster, a blogger, and a writer. She's amazing, like you know, many super moms out there. So, Heidi, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Awesome. I, I'm really excited because what you do is different. I have seen some podcasts that talk about. Um, immigrants' lives, but not by Latinos. So I'm excited to talk about this. So before we dive into that part of what you do, tell us a little bit about you, you know, growing up, where you're from, any cool stories you want to share? Um, so I am Dominican, So, but I was born in New York. My parents um, were, are from the Dominican Republic. And so I'm a, what, what would you say, the se- first generation, right? First generation yeah. Dominican-American. I never, I never really got that right, like first, second generation, <laughs> but yes. And um, any cool stories? Um, well, yeah, I was born in New York, but I was actually raised in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So that's my home from up north. I currently reside in um, Florida. And yeah, like you said, I have a four month old and I have an eight year old husband and just doing all these projects right now that I have going on. Um, Growing up, I grew up with my father and my stepmom and I did live with my grandma for a little bit right after my parents got divorced. And and then, yeah, I would visit my mom's here in Florida. I would spend some summers with her and and yeah so just like jumping back from michigan and florida and things like that but um yeah that's pretty much yeah. it so wow so you went from new york wait how long did you live there three months my oh, dad okay, got okay. Out of, yeah my dad got out of there really quick <laughs> <laughs> he's like i got a kid now i gotta go yeah pretty much i mean it's, it's kind of a traumatizing story as to why he left um, apparently he got he was robbed so and he's only told me snippets of that story but it's very I was like yeah like I would probably leave too but yeah so he it was not a good experience for him in New York and back in the 90s there was a lot of factory work in Michigan so you know friends told him like hey you know Grand Rapids Michigan has a lot of jobs right now why don't you come this way and him and my mom got up and left to Grand Rapids yeah, so let's talk about that because Grand Rapids and a Dominican. Hmm. I <laughs> but there's actually a lot of Dominicans in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Really? Yes. Okay. Sorry, sorry. Like, they end up going as like word of mouth. Pretty much how like that friend told my dad. So then then my family started coming because of my dad. You know, so my dad was like the first one there from the family, and then slowly but surely then my grandma went. 
and then my uncles went and everything but obviously now now my closest family is here in florida so then like we followed each other down to florida but no there is actually a lot of dominicans in grand rapids my husband also lived in grand rapids he's also dominican for 15 years and same thing they they went to new york first because that's usually how dominicans go they go home to the dominican republic <laughs> to new york because like that's like all they know and then they go elsewhere in the united states so my husband lived in the grand rapids for 15 years too although we didn't meet over there but he has family over there too so we tend to go back every summer to go see his family and then my extended family that's still there but yeah you would think that up north in the cold there wouldn't be a lot of dominicans but there's a lot actually yeah i don't know what it is because um <laughs> when i go to cold areas and i find a latino i'm like why? Because I'm from Nicaragua. So and I like I like the heat. So I'm like, why? And now I'm living, <laughs> I'm living in the cold. And I'm in Maryland now. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and that too, when I came here, um, I, I was actually assigned here because I was in the military. And um, years later, I, I came back because my husband's family is from from the DC, Maryland area. And it was like a whole new discovery of Central Americans, which was super rare for me because everywhere I went, it was predominantly Mexican, Dominican, Puerto Ricans, Cubanos. And then I was like, where's my people at? Like, do we yeah. really not migrate that much from Nicaragua? So mm. I go down to Silver Springs area, Maryland, and like, están todo. I'm like, what? Why? Why this cold place? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grand Rapids, Michigan has a lot of Mexicans. I will say that there is a lot of Mexicans up there, but there is a lot of you know a lot of Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, um, but mostly the, the from the Hispanics that I had met up there it was a lot of them were Mexican. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool to know because I mean now today because accessibility to travel and technology and all people communicate more and they are more open to moving to different places. So I can see why now, you know, I see that more and I expect that too. I expect people to just go everywhere. Um, whereas before it was, you know, only certain areas. So, so what was it like, you know, being there in the community? Was it, do you feel like as a Latina, you got to experience the Latina culture in Grand Rapids? Or do you feel like maybe there was some stuff that you lost because you were not in a, I guess, in say, like if you would have grown up in, in a community in, in New York of Dominicanos, I'm sure that's much bigger than in Grand Rapids. Yes. No, yeah, it was definitely different. Like, for example, my group of friends, I was the only Dominican. Like, yes, I had a Mexican friend and and things like that but i was dominican wise i was the only one from my group of friends there was other dominicans in my school but it wasn't like just because we're all dominicans we all hang out kind of thing it was just like we just knew they were dominican i was dominican but it wasn't like we all just hung out together as sometimes you know hispanic cultures tends to do it's like you know you will see the group of all the mexicans together or all you know from anywhere but <clears throat> So for my group of friends, I was the only one. We did have, um, you know, extended family. So like my stepmom has a lot of family out in Grand Rapids. So we tend to kind of just like all know each other because it's like Grand Rapids is like the second biggest city in Michigan, but it's kind of like you still get that small town feel there. So uh, like the, the group of Dominicans that were there when I was growing up, we, we tend to like know pretty much each other and everybody. So 
um there's a few there was a few like let's say supermarkets that were like hispanic supermarkets so we could like you know get the food and everything that we want there was one particular um, um supermarket that was dominican so like the owners we knew they were dominican and then obviously as time went on there was an another one that um some other people from the dominican public moved and they ended up opening up um their own supermarket so it was like it's very nice to you know go in and like you hear your music playing and like you see the the food from um your country and your culture and everything so that was really nice but i want to say yes it's different you know from growing up from like let's say new york because like there's a lot of dominicans and like you know washington heights they say like that's all just dominicans and like you hear the music outside and just people speaking spanish and everything so it wasn't really like that in grand rapids just because we were the minority like you know so it wasn't that that many now there's more now that um you know i'm older and i've moved out i noticed like there's a lot more um dominicans that are still there and more have been coming just because you know they have family there they have friends so it's like okay kind of start off where you're familiar like where you have people who you know and then from there you can you know migrate and everything so like i said my family now are all in florida which is completely different because here it's just a huge melting pot you get people from absolutely everywhere so yeah yeah so i've heard um <laughs> and i've been there uh, not long enough to go and discover but yeah I i've heard like hialeah is really really popular and very, very diverse. And it's really cool. So it, was there a certain event that you experienced that led you to create your podcast? And please mention your podcast name so that our uh, listeners go ahead and tune in. <laughs> yeah. So the podcast name is The American Dream in the Eyes of Immigrants. And how this podcast came about is I have been, I had a feeling that I wanted to do a podcast for since 2019. So since 2019, I was like, I want to start a podcast. I want to start a podcast, but it it wasn't the idea for the podcast wasn't what it is. So in 2019, I was finishing my master's degree. So I was like, okay, this is not the right time to do the podcast because I'm busy doing that. Mm -hmm. 2020, the world shut down. So it, like I was not focusing on that. You know, mental health issues was going up and down from being um, locked up. So 2021, I was pregnant. So I now did not have the easiest pregnancy. So my focus was just on my pregnancy in 2021. So finally, 2022, I was like, okay, finally gonna do it. So when I originally had thought about starting a podcast, I um, wanted to do just like this, like just bringing people on, talking, um, talking about people, getting to know their story, having that connection. And that came about because I was listening to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy. She's um, it's a that's a Christian based podcast, and you know she brings people on, usually authors, um, to talk about their books or how you know Jesus changed their life and their testimonials and things like that. So I was like, wow, like that's just an hour of two people talking. Sometimes you get resource out of that. Sometimes you just feel like that connection with people. And I was like, I want to do that. Like, I want to talk to people, connect with them, give them a medium to share their story. So that's what I thought originally my podcast was going to be about. So I write on Medium and on Medium, you can write about everything and anything. And I came across this article about this um, immigrant from Kenya. And she wrote about different culture shocks that she experienced when she first moved from Kenya to the United States. And so she was just saying how like each culture shock just like diminish her her confidence each time, you know, it happened because, you know, the language barrier, um, 
people were not really trying to understand her with her accent. Like they would just like kind of dismiss like her talking and you know, they just diminish her confidence each time she had a culture shock like that. And so just listening, or sorry, just reading her story, I was like, wow, like she's not the only one, you know, like there's a bunch of immigrants here and they all have a story. They all had experienced culture shocks, like moving to a new country, trying to learn the language, trying to adapt this culture while also trying to keep your own culture. So I remember after reading that article, I spoke with my husband because like I mentioned, he's from the Dominican Republic and he they came when he was nine. So I had asked him, I was like, what was your what, what was your first memory of the United States? And he was, um, they migrated straight to New York. So he was like, I just remember seeing all these buildings, just, just tall, tall buildings everywhere. And he was mesmerized. Cause you know, in the Dominican Republic, it's just like a lot of trees and, and things like that. There's not that much like buildings, like how it is in New York. So he was telling me his first memory of the United States and how he felt at nine years old. And I was like, that that's a podcast right there. That's a whole episode right there. So I was like, you know what? I want to share Im immigrant stories. So that's how I came about. I discussed it with my husband and he was like, that's actually, that's, that's a good idea. And, you know, um, I have, a, I have my whole family. I could literally just talk about all of them because they each have their own story as to why they decided to come to the United States, how they came to the United States and their own experience. So then I was like, well, then also my neighbor, she's from Venezuela and we know the crisis that's been going on in Venezuela and why a lot of them have left and come and seek asylum. So I was like, I can start with her. And obviously, you know, I asked them first if they're okay with sharing their story, you know, um, cause you know, some people maybe don't want to. So, so yeah, so I started with my family. Um, I had a, I also have a friend who lived in Puerto Rico and she was like that she swore up and down that she would never live in the United States. And then she decided to move. So like I interviewed her as well. Cause you know, even though Puerto Rico is part of the US the culture is different. So it was like, it was very interesting to hear the difference between living in Puerto Rico and here. And I've gotten to meet, um, to talk to different people also. So I'm trying to get different people from different countries just to hear their story, get their stories out there, just cause it's, it's just not easy to leave. Especially like when, if you come as an adult too, like, you know, like you live in, your, in one country that you know your whole life. And then all of a sudden you have to make this, this, this decision this hard decision to leave your home country seeking a better life somewhere else and then a lot of the people who i've spoken to have come as kids and they don't have choice you know it's like your parents decide to move to give you a better a better future and you have to go you have to adapt and and it is what it is so that's how this podcast came about i am wanting to uh, get in contact with maybe an immigration attorney to see if I could get an episode with him or her, um, just to see if they can educate people on the process of um, of the process that immigrants uh, go through. So, like for example, um, like I remember my uncle and my aunt, they were separated for almost ten years because they just had to wait until her her papers came in. So I definitely wanted to see if I can get their story on. And um, we, I do know that like with each in, um, administration comes in, they can change the immigration laws. So I know a lot of attorneys have to keep up with that and it can change a lot of the cases that they have on hand. It's like, okay, well, this was the law on this administration, but now they changed this. So now they have to change, 
you know, like, like the lives of these people change just by the laws changing from the administration. So I'm trying to see if I can get an attorney on to, you know, educate um, the listeners on that. But yeah, so that's how that podcast came about. Oh, I love that because, okay, you just unpacked so much and I can, <laughs> I love the idea of having an attorney um, do a segment or maybe a few because yeah. there's so many things that they do. And I actually follow several of them just because I got curious because I have a, a friend who I'm going to recommend, by the way, to, for you to, um, to in- interview her. She's okay. from uh, Brazil and just her story is incredible. I mean, it's people don't know, and even Latinos or even other immigrants don't really know how other people's journeys go. And it's very insightful. And I think that it can also help people not be so scared to tell their story and also to um, migrate if they're, you know, thinking of coming here. And there are a lot of people, like you said, they're trying to leave their country because they feel like there's no other way to prosper or to be safe than to leave their homeland and and uh and of course the children right the children that are brought here because I was one of them I was seven when I came here all I was told was hey we're gonna go meet up with your dad in the United States I was like okay and um (laughs) and then I think that was kind of like uh my how I realized that the world was way larger than what Mm. my surroundings was. I I distinctly remember that I was like, what? Like there's more than Managua (laughs) and like Los Leonardos from from Nicaragua, you know, where my grandparents were. I was like, there's more? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, at seven, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you're so naive. And then, Mm. well, back then in the early 80s, (laughs) I'm 43, so TV was not available in Nicaragua the way that it is here so it's not like I had that exposure mm, and of course yeah. things are different now but um, this is really really good because while I'm pretty sure that a lot of Latinos are going to listen to your podcast I wish that um, or that you know like immigrants are going to listen to it but I wish that non-immigrants and non-Latinos would listen yeah. Because yeah, that's I, I I really would like that to be my target audience. And some some episodes are only in Spanish because they're just more comfortable speaking in Spanish. So that was another debate that I was having um, with my husband when I was um, starting this podcast. I was like, okay, should I just have English episodes just so I could target the non-immigrants so they can hear these stories? Or should I do it bilingual? And then if I do do it bilingual, do I then go ahead and have to translate everything? But then I was like, okay, would you want to listen to a podcast where it's being translated, you know? So he was like, yeah. So I was just like, you know, I'll just do it bilingual and then I'll put, okay, this one is in Spanish, this one is in English, or this some of them are in, in Spanglish because sometimes we we switch when we are, we're talking. But I do um, want, like you said, more non-immigrants to listen just to get that experience and and try to like understand and have that empathy for the people who are here. Just cause you know, there's certain states here in the United States that a lot of immigrants don't go. So when you hear of these false narratives of why immigrants are coming, you tend to believe it and you get scared. It's mm-hmm. like, why are these you know people coming, steal our jobs and all this other false narratives that it, that's put out there. And it's like, have you actually sat down to talk to somebody have you actually sat down to try to listen and put yourself in that person's shoes because 
nobody wants to leave their home country, their culture, their language, their family to seek a better life. Like no one wants, nobody wakes up one day and is like, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, just leave Nicaragua because, you know, just because. Like no one does that. It's a hard, hard decision to make, but people make it because they truly believe that in the United States, they can prosper. And a lot of the the answers that I get from the immigrants that I speak with, speak with is the opportunities that this, this country has that they're seeking. And, and it's amazing because yes, you come here to work hard. Yes, you have to work very hard for what you have, but there is more opportunity in this country than what there is in other countries. Like, for example, we have this opportunity to do this right now. In other countries, you're not able to. You're, we're not able to sit down and, and talk and freely like this, it's, and especially women. There's a lot of countries where women don't have a lot of say and don't, you know, you can't do a lot of things that we do because of the culture differences. But that's what's so beautiful about this country is just the opportunities and the things that we can do to connect each other and and share our stories and prosper and you know build businesses and try to give our children what we didn't have growing up or vice versa when the immigrants come give their children what they didn't have growing up yeah yeah and you know uh, in regards to people leaving their country and all these stereotypes you mentioned one the one about oh they're coming to steal our jobs <laughs> and I and I think about that and laugh so much sometimes because it's like the type of jobs that we have to do at the beginning mm. until we actually get that education and that experience. It's like you you native or, or citizen born people from the United States wouldn't want that job. They're not gonna do it. You know, they're right, right. And and I hate that uh, politicians use that as a rhetoric to win elections, and it really wow. works. And it's baffling when I meet Latinos that believe it, Latinos that have been in this country for either a long, long time or that were born here and don't have that immigrant experience. And, and also that have never traveled to these countries to see for themselves what the conditions are like. Because as soon as you said that, I thought, well, yeah, my cousin right now, um, she wants to come to the U.S. because she has little kids and then she continuously gets kidney infections because the water is contaminated and the country doesn't do a good job with those resources. And, you know, buying things like milk is so hard. So what is a mom to do to keep her kids healthy and safe? They yeah. cannot, she cannot, um, say anything negative about the president of Nicaragua because now, People disappear, they end up dead on the street, you know, and this is something that's not new to Latin America. Um, mm -hmm. And it's like the whole world, they talk about, you know, issues going on in different parts of the world, like Ukraine, um, or like say an explosion in another country. But then when something tragic happens in Latin America, it's kind of like, maybe, maybe they get some media attention Mm -hmm. But then it's maybe for like a day or two, not very long, and then it's forgotten. Uh, so when people ask, well, why are all these Latinos coming to the United States? It's like, well, nobody's helping. Yeah, the resources are scarce and people just want to live and they're penalized for coming to the United States. As a matter of fact, 
Um, well, actually, I was going to share a story, but I'll share it later because it'll take too long. But so tell me, are there any insights that you've had, any aha moments that you just will never forget from the interviews you've done so far? Yes. Um, the last interview, it hasn't been published yet. I, I just did it earlier this week and she was from Colombia and we were talking about how she, she, what she missed a lot from Colombia was like the warmth of people and the welcoming. And I was, you know, saying how like, yeah, you know, in our culture, in the Hispanic culture, we're very big on community and looking out for each other and, you know, just trying to help out your neighbor. And I was like, you know, here in the United States, it's not very common to see that, to see like, you know, your neighbor helping you out or like, I feel like it's a lot of me like like me what about me my needs and everything here and she you know she was like well i will say that you know the the life the pace of life here in the united states is very different from colombia here is very fast fast pace so it's like you're kind of just like in your own world going 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 that you really don't have time to take a look at you know what other people needs and how you can help them and i was like yeah that's true like you know, kind of shedding that light and, you know, thinking about it like it is different, you know, in the Dominican Republic and things like that. Like here it's very fast paced than what it is over there. But I do, so I was, that was kind of like, yeah, that is a different way of looking at it of like, you know, it's not that we don't want to help our neighbors. It's just like, you know, our life is just so consumed by so many things and going so fast paced. Um, but for like example, my next door neighbor, like I said, she is from Venezuela and I had a really hard pregnancy and, you know, just from our culture, she was very, she was always like, are you okay? Do you need anything? Do you need me to make you tea? Do you need anything from the grocery store? Hey, I'm, you know, I'm here at Target, Do you, like things like that. But it's like, I feel like if I had an American neighbor, like, I don't feel like I would have that. Like it would, it's just like, you know, you stay on your house, I'll stay on my side kind of thing. And, you know, I've had, I have lived, you know, with American neighbors and it was like that. It was just like, you know, if you see them, maybe you'll say hi, you know, if they want to say hi, if not, it's just like, you know, go on about your day. But it's, I feel like that is like just how we are. Like we're more community oriented, looking out for each other. If you need anything, like, you know, I'm here. And things like that and i interviewed my my stepmom and she also mentioned too she had an american neighbor and they were out on a trip and you know they had i think it was like a diabetic supply that was being mailed and it couldn't sit out like it had to be put in the refrigerator so um they were i guess they were talking and my stepmom was like oh just let us know when it gets here and i can bring it into your house put it in the refrigerator you know like just give us the code and he was taken aback he was like i've never had someone be willing to help me like that but for us that's normal that's just like our nature you know and he was you know gringo like american he's like i've never had that before and things like that and she she also mentions that in in the episode but again i guess it just depends on your experience on who where you live and who's next to next to you because i'm not gonna say that like you know americans like are all don't look out for each other because i've had you know americans help me out and, and this and that but it's just more of our culture to do that it's yeah yeah uh, I agree. And you know, what I've seen is that when you live in a community that is more diverse, not just Latinos and just black or just white, mm -hmm. when there's actually like diversity in the community, 
those um, those little nice things that you do for one another happen more often. Yes, because they're also done, you know, like different countries, they have different customs. Um, So they share and then that's how you learn from one another. And I think that's so important. And people are afraid of moving into diverse neighborhoods. And I know that some of them say, oh, but you know, it's not going to be as safe or, uh, you know, all this stuff that, you know, my home value is going to drop. It's (laughs) crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, it's, I think, very eye-opening for that non-immigrant, just watching how we interact. And I think that they're usually scared to ask questions. So your podcast is perfect to answer those questions, uh, you know, just to hear it firsthand by a lot of people. And also to stop generalizing all of us, because one thing that drives me nuts is that everybody looks at me and they're like, you're Mexican. And one kid actually, who was actually of Mexican descent when I was a teenager, he walked up to me and he says, Hey, uh, do you speak Spanish? And I said, yes, I do. He's like, Oh, so you're Mexican. And yeah. I was like, what? I, got, I got that. I got that. Oh because it was the majority of people were Mexicans and where I, where I was from. So if I was Hispanic, automatically I was Mexican. And it's like, Oh, it's the same. You guys all speak Spanish. Yes, yeah. I'll speak Spanish, but it's not the same. No. <laughs> it's not the same. Right. Actually, I um I have participated in Clubhouse, the app. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but one of the rooms that we had there or discussions was that um we would discuss the different language, you know, that we use in different countries. And some of the words that Nicaraguenses use maybe to Dominicans might be very offensive yes. or yeah. And <laughs> there are certain words that I hear all the time. I'm like, Ooh, that's so grossera. Like that's just, or like, that's so vulgar, you know, like, Ooh, I would never say that. And so, because, you know, I've been here in the U S since I was seven. So I called up my cousin and I was like, Hey, this word. And it was, I can't even say it. Okay. So it's C H I N G O N A. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> See, like I can't even say. So I said, and she was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, esa palabra es grosera aquí también." You know that word is pretty like harsh here too. I was like, "Oh okay, I'm just wondering if maybe I just perceive it that way because I grew up here in the United States." Um, but I, she's like, "No, no, Nicaragua is here. We do not use that word. That is so bad. You just don't." Yeah. And people take it as a, a word like they own it. They're like, "I'm proud to be that," you know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, which that equates to what, like a badass. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> but in Spanish, it just sounds to me. So I just can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Actually, now that you mentioned that the episode with my neighbor, I we ended up trying to say like different words like that, like try to see like, oh, how do you say this and how do you say that to see like the differences. But I didn't, since I'm, I'm new to the podcast, I didn't realize that the system was going to cut me off right at 30 minutes. So like the episode ends like roughly, like literally like there's no goodbye or anything. It just like ends. And she was like, we should do an episode about that. Like just like the different words from different. And I was like, yeah, we should. Cause it's very interesting. Like for example, the way that Dominicans say cake is offensive to Mexicans. Mm-hmm. And I remember my husband saying a story about like, um, they were in church in, in Grand Rapids and they were the majority were Mexicans. And so it was a celebration at the church or after um after the church and there was gonna be cake in the in the kitchen. And so his mom was announcing it and she said the word. And they were like, <gasps> What? 
<laughs> and so she had no idea because you know to us it's it's cake but to them it's something completely different okay, i'm curious like, i'm curious you know? i think so is it bizcocho yes but for yeah. mexicans it's it's a woman's part yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know that either yeah think- so, so she's like you know telling that there's gonna be cake but to them they were like oh there's gonna be women's party in the kitchen like what? right <laughs> <laughs> so she was so embarrassed but it's like it's different like it's different for us it's different for you guys it's different for mexicans and i remember even going to my my mexican's friend's house and when her mom talked I didn't understand anything she said because she one she talked really fast uh-huh, and yeah. a lot of the words were different and I'm like what did your mom say like she had to like translate for me because I was like I don't I don't know what your mom is saying <laughs> yes. she's speaking Spanish you know <laughs> yeah that's funny because when I went to Nicaragua um I kept looking at my cousin I was like <laughs> like like what? Same thing to me in the Dominican Republic because they speak more slang, you know, uh-huh. than what I like grew up. Like my parents didn't really speak the the slang Dominican, right? They try to speak proper. So when I would same thing. So when I would go to the Dominican Republic, I'd be like, okay, like you got to translate for me because I don't I don't know what they're saying because there's like a lot of slang. So I was like, okay, what does this word mean or what does that word mean? Yeah, I I completely understand. Yeah, yeah, I think that you should definitely have that room. Please invite me. I mean, that that talk, please invite me. <laughs> because I actually, uh, when we had that discussion, I actually wrote them down, like on a notepad, <laughs> and I have them. <laughs> and it was, there's so many, so many. So yeah, when people say, Oh, but don't you understand each other? Like, not always, not always. I mean, just my husband's from Guatemala. And mm-hmm. when I met his mom, um, I, I remember going to her house the first time. And she, they would sit down and say, muchas gracias before, was it before? No, after, after having the meal and everybody say, would say, uh, wait, oh, buen provecho. Buen provecho, yeah, we right. say that. Mm-hmm. Right, so, so I was like, oh, this is new. And she's like, you don't say that in Nicaragua? I'm like, no, maybe they do like in other regions, but I, that was all new to me. And so I think they kind of saw me as rude uh, some of the family members because they didn't understand they assumed that I knew because I was Latina and I think that they probably just assumed that every Latino mm-hmm. had that custom so yeah, yeah I quickly joined the gang and said <laughs> Buen provecho. Buen provecho. and then I was I had thought about it. I was like there's no there's no way to say that in English the Buen no. provecho. <laughs> I know there's bon appetit but that's not English that's uh, French. French and so I was like how do you like enjoy your meal I guess is what it would translate to, but yeah, no, we do say that. Like when, if you get up, like, let's say we're having like a a family dinner and like you get up, you would say buen provecho. Um, Or like if, or before you start and somebody comes and you're eating, they'll say a buen tiempo. Oh, really? Yeah, we'll say a buen tiempo and then we're like gracias and like, you know, a good time to eat, I guess. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. I learned something new because when I went to, back to Nicaragua and actually, and I went back, 30 years after I left. Yeah, long time. So I did notice some parts of the country did say buen provecho. And I was like, oh, oh, they say it here. And I asked my cousin, she's like, oh yeah, some people, you know, that that's kind of new, like for the last maybe 10 years or 15 years, it's becoming more of a norm. So yeah. Do you guys, do you guys like bless your elders for example, um, we say bendición, and then you'll say like, what, what, like, like if it was my grandfather, I would say bendición, papá, 
or bendición mamá for my grandma um or we'll say like bendición like it's kind of like a greeting to our to our yeah. elders. you guys don't do that no and i actually like that because i noticed that um with uh, dominicanos that they do that all the time i think it's so endearing and so beautiful mm -hmm. um and yeah no no we do we just a lot of respect you know yes. um yes and I know some families have their own thing, but no. And I, unfortunately, I don't really know what's normal because I didn't grow up around grandparents or aunts or uncles like that. So, quién sabe. Yeah. <laughs> I always, I always refer back to my cousin. I'm like, hey, what do y'all do yeah, yeah. over there? You know. So, I love this conversation. I am going to be truly enjoying it tomorrow when I'm binge listening <laughs> to all those episodes. Um, and because I like to learn about people and, and like food. I mean, that's that's the one thing you can just strike up a conversation really fast with people. Yes. And just, the other, now that you mentioned that food the other day for us is really big, especially on spring break to eat habichuela con dulce. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys had it. it's I don't know how to make it, but I know it's like it's beans and they sweeten it up. And then I know that they put the crackers and I have a group chat with um, three other friends. Two of them is Puerto Rican. The other one's Colombian. And so my Puerto Rican friend was like, what is she like sent a screenshot of someone on Facebook selling it. Right. And she was like, what is habichuela con dulce? And I was like, oh, you don't know what that is? That's for me. <laughs> yeah. Like, how can you not know what that is? Because to me, like, I grew up with it. Like, every spring break, which we call Semana Santa, which is literally the week before, leading up to Easter. So it's like lunes santo, martes santo, like, you know, so that week, we eat that a lot, the habichuela con dulce. So I was shocked. I was like, how do you not know what that is? So, like, I ended up having to, like, send her the recipe and everything she was like i've never she's like i've never heard of this i've never tried it and then i was like the person who's selling it is most likely dominican she was like yeah she is i was like yeah because this is it's just so common for us why so I, I thought that was a latin american thing but apparently i learned something new this year apparently yeah. it's not no no I, I actually learned that when i was in south korea and i had some um soldiers that i worked with who were Dominican and they told me about that. And I was like, what? Beans with sugar? Yeah. Weird. <laughs> and then he thought mine was weird. Um, gallo pinto, which is black beans and rice mixed together. And oh, we call that moro. Oh, see, it's like, it's really cool because we have very similar foods, but they're called different or maybe they have a, a little tweak. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Like in, in Nicaragua, it's huge to eat platanos, platano verde. Platanos um, maduros, mm -hmm. and you can boil them, you can fry them, you can tostarlo. I mean, and that's that one of my favorite too. things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then people here in the United States, I show it to them, even some other Latinos, and like, you eat that? It's a banana. I'm a like, banana. It's a, it's a <laughs> platano. <laughs> it's not a banana. It's a platano. green banana. No, it's not. No, it is not. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I know it comes from the, the platano family, but still, it's like, don't call it that. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. wrong. Oh, man. The, the, going back to the moro, um, yes, is we we mix it. If you mix the rice with any beans, like if we do, you can do red beans, you can do black beans pink white i think there's white beans too and we just call it moro is what we call it but then i the other day i was gonna make um locrio for the first time and i was looking up the recipe and then the um it's just rice mixed with whatever meat right so you can have locrio uh the pollo locrio the um you can do salmon 
you can do locrio de just any any meat right and when i was reading the the article i was like they it said that it, it was a dominican dish and like that there's no like that word is like from the dominican republic so only like dominicans will know like if you say locrio like only dominicans will know what it is and i was like huh i didn't realize that that like we had that so it's just yeah rice mixed with whatever meat so i do remember like my stemma making locrio de um like salami she would like mix the rice with salami or sometimes would do with like pork chops rice just mixed with the pork chops and that's what we call locrio mm -hmm. okay i'd never heard of that locrio but i have seen the food so i just didn't know what it was called it's really cool i've mm -hmm. got to try it too um you're gonna make me drive down to baltimore tomorrow because i found a good dominican <laughs> spot <laughs> get that dominican food <laughs> yes yes <laughs> and um so fun fact because i looked this up because i'm such an avid fan of platanos that mm. i looked up <laughs> nerdy me the countries with the highest volumes of plantain consumption in 2018 were guess what you want to guess before i say it dominican republic i would think so i would yeah. think so too but it's not actually no nope it's not even in latin america Jamaica. No. It's in Africa. Yeah. It's in Africa, isn't it? Yeah. Democratic what? Republic of the Congo. You know what is interesting? They mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of their well, a lot of our foods, Latin American similar. food. Yeah. Stem from that mm -hmm. because of the slavery. Right, exactly. Yeah. A yeah. lot of the food, a lot of the music. A lot of um, the dances too. Uh, a lot of it stems from Africa because of the slaves. And I learned about that. There was a um, documentary on Netflix, and I can't think of the name right now. But they were talking about that. They were talking about like the like a lot of the foods. Um, like let's say I think mac and cheese was one of the. Now, I know mac and cheese is not popular in Latin America, but the documentary was saying how mac and cheese was brought by slaves. Mm -hmm. um, and so yeah so so when they went to africa in the documentary and they were talking about like the foods in africa a lot of it was like what we eat like the rice and the plantains and and um and things like that so like i actually started you know doing my own research and yeah like a lot of our music a lot of our dances a lot of our foods come from um africa because you know the slaves were, were brought to the dominican republic to latin america and things like that and actually um, I did, I wrote an article about Dominicans not identifying as black, just because, you know, there's a lot of racism everywhere. So there is a lot of racism in the Dominican Republic. Um, so we hear a lot of racist comments from our elders, yeah. um, especially growing up. And so I did a whole article about it because me and my cousins had a whole discussion about like, are, do we identify as black? Like, do they identify as black? And so doing that research, um, I had learned that actually the first slave was brought to the Dominican Republic. Although they do tend to like skim over that, like the history in the Dominican Republic, they don't really like to talk about that, but it's like, no, the first slave was brought over there. So like a lot of our cultures and a lot of our foods and things do stem from Africa because the slaves brought it over. Yep, yep. And just because you're Dominican, I have to tell you this, that my research, it says, <laughs> and I'm reading it, <laughs> the Dominican Republic was the leading exporter of plantains with 210,350 uh, tons. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. So yeah. I'm surprised they're not the number one consumers because they're the number yeah, one yeah. exporters. 
but I'm like, ¿qué le está pasando? They need to eat it. It's <laughs> yeah, plantains is really big. Just like you guys, we we mm -hmm. mash it. Um, we eat it at all, all times. We can yeah. eat it for breakfast, for dinner, for lunch. Yep. Um, fry it. It's just there's even una sopa. Have you ever tried it? No. Sopa de plátano. It's actually really good. It's kind of like un atol. Mm. I don't know if you you know what a atol is. Mm. It's that um, it's a thick. Uh, man, I'm gonna have to show it to you. I don't, I can't even explain it, but it's kind of like, have you ever seen champur? I think they call it champurrado or champurrada in, in the Mexican culture. No, okay, mm. I'll have to show it to you. <laughs> but it's a, uh, it was meant to be. I mean, like in many, many, many countries, right? They created certain foods to make you feel full. So oh, it's okay. a little thick. It's a little thick consistency, and of course, because it's plátano and it's mashed, um, it's a little grainy and it's semi-sweet. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 No, we have a lot of different ways that we eat the platanos. I don't know if you've heard of pateles en hoja, which is, I have, but I don't know what they are. They look like, uh, they would look like tamales, like oh, Mexican tamales, okay. but instead of it being made from corn, the corn, it's made from platanos. It's um, la masa de platano. So like, I don't know how exactly they make it to that consistency, but I'm it's like, right. Yeah, I'm gonna try. It. You just have to like put it. In, they use the platano leaf, so you put the platanos, and then you um, mix it with meat. So like you can either do chicken or you can do like ground beef. Sometimes some people add raisins. I don't know why they add raisins. Raisins are just nothing. Just yeah. yes. Yeah, I don't like. And them. and then you fold it in the in the oja, and then you boil it. Um, I don't remember for how long, but it's really big for us for Christmas time. So Christmas time, we eat it a lot. And then you'll see like a lot of people, a lot of Dominicans selling it like, oh, like by the dozen, like, oh, I have a dozen for sale and things like that. But pastel de noja that's made from platano is really good. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. Anything with platano, I will try it. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things that we decided to do is uh, for holidays is to stop doing the traditional, quote unquote, American meals. Mm. Because we were like, you know what? It's a lot of work for something that we're not really a, fa a fan of like yeah. turkey for th thanksgiving we're like i was the only one that liked turkey but not like that where i'll eat it you know like you know for a whole week because <laughs> you know yeah, you always yeah. have the leftovers it's huge yeah. We decided, yeah we decided we're like you know what we're not doing that anymore we're gonna do our own stuff and then if we have somebody who's Dominican joining us or a Cubano, it's like, bring your dish too, because we want to have that too, all of our cultural dishes. So yeah, so for Christmas, Thanksgiving and Christmas, we always done the traditional Dominican dish. And so I was trying to get my grandma to not do the turkey, because I was like, that's American. But she told me that for Christmas, she always did turkey in Dominican Republic, that she always had turkey, she always had pelin, and she always had, what was the other thing? But that she, apparently she always did turkey. And I was like, why? Like, why? But apparently to her, like, that was the thing. But I remember trying to add, um, I was like, oh, I'll make the baked mac and cheese because that's, you know, it's American and, and bring that. And my grandma was like, like, that doesn't go with our food. Like, what are you trying to do? And I was like, well, I'm just trying to, you know, trying to do a little bit different. But no, for us, our family, we've always done the traditional Dominican meals for Thanksgiving and for Christmas um so yeah so that's that's pretty cool how like now you guys are trying to switch mm -hmm. it up yeah because we were like why do we do this to ourselves why <laughs> i like you i don't like turkey i don't i don't yeah. like turkey so for yeah. me I, I do the pelni and i'll do like all the other meats just not not the turkey mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and even for uh, quinceanera, my my daughter, we she was gonna have one, but you know, COVID. And she and when I asked her about the menu, she said, "I actually don't want one of those like American, you know, quote unquote American dishes. How about we just have some Guatemala and Nicaraguense food?" I was like, oh, "Brilliant idea." It's yeah. like, yeah, you know, and you can make that very glamorous looking too. It all depends on how you played it, right? So uh, yeah, that was a proud moment for me. <laughs> My daughter, yeah, unfortunately, it didn't happen because of COVID. But just the fact that she recognized like, hey, we don't have to do all that, like the whatever cordon blue chicken and all that other stuff. It's like, we don't eat that. That's not our thing. So yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'm, I'm grateful for platforms like yours because those have actually helped my children learn more about other cultures. Mm-hmm. And um, so whatever I can do, maybe a, a documentary or they'll like roll their eyes and call me a, a nerd, but then they're still watching, yeah. <laughs> you know? So um, that's why I love what you're doing. And I, I really appreciate it. I hope that you have a ton of people, not just from Latin America, but from other countries too, because there yeah. are stigmas for all, all types of people who are not born here in the United States. And, and we really need to stop that because the future is pretty much going to be diversity in every part of the country, not just in the United States. Yeah, I do. I do hope that I can get more people from other countries that is not just Latin America, just because, you know, there's a lot of people from Europe that come. There's a lot of people from all over, um, from all over the world that, that come. And that's what what's really great about, you know, this country, just the diversity and the melting pot that we have here. And we can learn a lot from different cultures. And you can also get rid of that fear because it's just the unknown. It's just not knowing. So if you really sit down and listen to people and try to, you know, just empathize with them and then learn, then you can, you know, get rid of that, that fear. Cause yeah, they, they call, I remember listening to this, that they call immigrants from Latin America, like us, like illegal aliens. But then when it's like from Europe, because they're light skinned and they look white, they, they're immigrants. They're not, you know, and yeah. it's just like we we have to try to break that stereotype and, and break that that ignorance, you know. Right. Yeah. You know, the other one I notice a lot is when it's an European person speaking English with an accent, they're praised for speaking English, although not that well, but then a Latino has the broken English, they're like, oh, you need to learn how to say it right. Yes. And it's like, I'm already smarter than you for knowing two languages. Yeah. And another thing, I think the United States is like, I've one of like the only countries that like, really they only teach one language because Mm -hmm. if you talk to people from like other countries, like they learn English, but then they also learn like three, four other languages. For example, I was listening to Trevor Noah's um, his book. book. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, his book, um, Born, a Crime. Born a Crime. And yeah. he's from, yeah, he's from South Africa. And he was telling, he mentioned like all the different languages that he would, that he had to um, speak growing up, depending on where you were from, depending on what language you spoke. But obviously everybody knew English, but it's just like crazy, like these people from all over the world, they speak more than one language. And then here in the United States, you want to down talk to somebody because they speak broken English, but it's like, you're the one who's actually behind because the the population of the world speaks more than one language. And it's usually more than just English. Yes. But yeah, no, definitely more, more trying to, you know, educate and bring 
awareness and stories and things like that out there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh man, this has been such a good conversation and I feel like we can continue, but I'm not going to take more of your time because you have a four month old, (laughs) Um, but tell us again, where can we find your podcast, please? The podcast is on Apple Podcasts, is on Spotify, it's on Anchor, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. So those are all the places. And again, it's called The American Dream in the Eyes of Immigrants with Heidi de la Cruz. And um, you can go to my Instagram as well. There's a link uh, to the podcast there. My Instagram is instagram.com slash Heidi.delacruz13. And then on my bio, I have the link to my podcast, to my blog, to my YouTube channel, to everything, everything. It's all there. (laughs) Yes. And if somebody's interested in sharing their story, what is the best way to reach you? Through Instagram, they can send me a message through Instagram. um, And I'm usually on Instagram, like throughout the day. So I'll see the message if they want to go ahead and and come on. And if you know anybody that is willing to share their story, send them my way. I love, I love that, that when people are like, oh, you should talk to this person or that person. And that's how a lot of the, the communications that I've had or the guests that I've had, it's, it's through that, through word of mouth. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, I have some people for you. So (laughs) you'll see my message. (laughs) Well, Heidi, thank you so much. It's been wonderful speaking with you. I feel like I'm talking to an old friend. (laughs) Oh, me too. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And if I ever make my way down to Florida, which I've been meaning to for the last six months and something always happens, I will look you, I will let you know so we can link up. Yes, definitely. And if, and when I go to DC, like I, I've, I've never been, and I really want to go. So we can I would be your it. perfect tour guide, by the way, just FYI. <laughs> okay. I will definitely keep that in mind. Cause I definitely want to go. Okay. Got it. I will remember that. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Heidi. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. I must say that was one of my most favorite conversations so far. Um, I hope that you really enjoyed it. And I really hope that you tune into Heidi's podcast because truly you can learn so much. And, you know, even if you already know about that culture, maybe she'll say something or, you know, her guest will share something that reminds you to talk about that topic with your family members, especially our children, because our children need to have the education so they they grow up to be adults that are educated not ignorant about the cultures and the different you know ways of life that other people have we need more understanding more empathy and that's the only way that we create a more equal um i guess equal world uh because when people don't understand others it's easy to judge and it's easier to discriminate on them so uh again Thank you so much for watching and for listening. And I guess you'll hear me next week. Hey, did you like that episode? If you did, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you may be listening and write a review. If you want more tips or some behind the scenes videos, make sure to follow my mom at Dolly Talks on Instagram. You can turn on notifications for her posts and stories as well. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. See you next time.